Hi, Out Louders. It's Mia here. And I've just done a sneaky pop into your ears and into your feed to tell you about a brand new podcast. And I know that we say that a lot because we are launching a lot of shows at the moment. But this one has a special place in my heart and in my pants because I get very excited about celebrity news and pop culture news. When I first launched Mamma Mia!, the idea that you could do a smart take on what could be seen as a, you know, trivial, pretty dumb, silly subject sometimes was something that was so obvious to me. And it's something that we have done throughout the whole time on Mamma Mia, from our batch recaps to the way we cover celebrity news. It's kind of like we, we talk about our tone as being like sitting back on the couch with a glass of red wine and a raised eyebrow. So we've made a whole podcast. It comes to you in your ears every day, every day, but it's only 15 minutes. So it's really snackable because we know you're busy. It's called The Spill. It drops every afternoon around three. So you can listen to it when you're walking the dog or commuting home or cooking dinner or putting the kids in the bath. And it's hosted by Mamma Mia's entertainment editor, Laura Brodnick, who is an absolute goldmine of information, but she's also really funny. And our influencer expert, Key Reese, who has the most beautiful and sublime voice and knows a whole lot of things about the young people. So I honestly find myself laughing out loud every time I listen to this podcast, every afternoon on my way home. And I also learn heaps. Look, enough from me. I'm so proud of this show. We all are here at Mamma Mia. You know, producer Lies from Out Loud. She hasn't been producing Mamma Mia Out Loud for a bit because we put her on the spill. So this is her baby and she would love it. And I would love it if you would go and subscribe to the spill if you like it, obviously, after you've listened to this episode, and tell your friends about it. Give it a five-star rating in the iTunes store so that more people can hear about it. And um, show a bit of lady love for Producer Lies and the Mamma Mia Podcast Network. Anyway, there's a link in our show notes if you want to subscribe. And as I said, tell your friends. Now, over to Laura and Key for a sample episode of The Spill. The Spill is brought to you by Nescafe Gold. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable afternoon podcast where we take celebrity news just seriously enough. I'm Ki Reese. I work at Mamma Mia's Social Squad. And I'm Laura Brodnick, Mamma Mia's Entertainment Editor. And on the show today, Fiona O'Loughlin was one of TV's biggest stars, so why can she now not get a job? I reckon I've been blacklisted. Two of the Queer Eye cast look like they're in a relationship on Instagram, but is it really just a publicity stunt? Yes, balance. Yes, symmetry. Yeah. And this weekend's blockbuster movie was made for dudes, but which leading lady has stolen their thunder? I mean, I never thought I'd be in action movies, ever. But the biggest topic we need to talk about today is the glaring flaw in this year's Bachelor. So if you've been watching The Bachelor this week on Channel 10 or reading our recaps on Mamma Mia, you'll probably come across a girl named Kristen, who also wants it known that she has been to China. But Kristen is not Chinese, she's Caucasian. She spent two years living in China and it was meant to be a joke, but no one's laughing. Jess Wang wrote a great piece on Mamma Mia about this today and she joins us in the studio now to help us unpack it. Welcome, Jess. Hello. Thanks for coming on today. Okay, so before we get started, let's listen to the audio from the episode. Yeah. My name is Kristen and I'm a China researcher. Hopefully I remember how to speak English 
Fun fact, sometimes my friends call me the China girl. My dream is eventually to be running an empire where I've helped thousands of young Australian children be able to learn Mandarin. Kristen. Matt. Fun fact, probably shouldn't tell people that. Oh, that was so cringy. It wasn't a great intro. <laughs> so, Jess, obviously we heard that little bit of audio, but can you take us through what kind of unfolded after that? Because it wasn't just the intro, it was the rest of their meeting and kind of how you felt watching it. I think it was just the fact that they kept on bringing it back to the fact that she spent two years in China and she could speak Mandarin and she would say all these long phrases in Mandarin that, by the way, the majority of weren't even captioned. So, oh, like, right. most people watching at home wouldn't know what she was saying. She did speak pretty good Mandarin. Her accent was pretty good, actually. But it wasn't just that. It was also the music. The music. Just the stereotypical pan flute, bamboo, oriental music. It's like somebody just typed in oriental stock music and got that. And just, and just pulled it from somewhere. Yeah. And did she give him a fortune cookie as well? Did that happen later on? Yeah. So she brings him a gift and it's like a bo- they make jokes about like how he wants to see what's in her box. Um, oh, oh <laughs> my gosh. Good one. Um, yeah, I know. And then... There's a fortune cookie in there, and then he opens the fortune cookie because, again, China, and she's China girl. Sure. It was just really stereotypical and cringy and just so unnecessary. And what was going through your mind watching that? Were you ex- were you expecting something like that to come up, or what was your initial reaction? It was just so unnecessary. Like, you know, The Bachelor, it's not famed for being super diverse and, like, um, and you know, this is probably the most diverse season we've ever had, but it's the fact that their sort of version of Chinese representation seemed to be this, for all intents and purposes, this Caucasian woman who had spent a bit of time in China. That's sort of what it felt like. And it was just really cringy and just felt insensitive. I think a lot of people felt like that, though. Mm. So it's like, how did they miss the mark? They were kind of going for this gag, but it didn't really sit well with anyone, I don't think. It kind of just feels like it's 2019. It's not okay to have ever play Oriental music, especially when it's not even like a... Like, especially when you don't have any actual Chinese representation or Asian representation of the show. Yeah, I was going to say, because they really, like you were saying, Hale, this has been a more diverse season. They learned from the past. And I think they're trying to do a little bit of a makeover by having a nicer bachelor in the main role, but they've kind of missed the mark with that. What's the reaction been like from like social media or the people that you've seen? Because your article is the first one that I saw that's actually pointed this out. I feel like everyone else kind of went along with the joke a little bit. I felt a lot of people felt icky like you could sort of feel like that it was it just felt like something felt off but I think because you know she wasn't Chinese and because if there was a Chinese person and they played oriental music and she just spoke long bits of Chinese and she was made to be the butt of the joke there would be an obvious racist kind of implication towards it but because she was Caucasian I think it felt difficult to quite put the blame on it right but in my perspective I think that it just kind of felt like, again, the fact that she went to China. It was still like sort of the, this racial and cult- cultural element that was being made to be the butt of the joke. And that was what felt really off to me from being like a Chinese person and like sort yeah. of watching TV and being not being able to see somebody that looked like me or had my sort of background on TV. But that was still being made to be the butt of the joke. And also it feels like they're being set up not to be the winner. Like, you know how like, you can tell with Definitely. the Bachelor arrivals who's, like, being set up to be, like, the princess or the wifey, as they call them on TV shows, or who's there for the entertainment or who's there to be the villain. And it's like they're very much in that entertainment camp. The comedic relief. And it kind of, it's just when it's your culture, and it doesn't matter, like, you know, Chinese or Persian or whatever, you, you know, 
put whatever word you want there. But it really hurts when it's sort of you're being made to be the butt of the joke. Nobody wants to feel like that. Well, you can read Jess's article on mamamia.com.au. We'll also link it in our show notes. Jess, thank you so much for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. The winner of I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, 2018. Doctor, will you share the moment with me? It's Fiona! Last year, comedian Fiona O'Loughlin won the fourth season of Channel 10's I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here. Post-win, she thought she'd be a shoo-in with TV execs after a whopping 65% of viewers voted for her to win over boxer Danny Green and singer Shannon Knoll. But she's been unable to land permanent TV gigs since, telling the hosts of the Little Dum Dum Club podcast this week, I reckon I've been blacklisted from television. You're doing all right now. You're, you're tour- touring around. You're, you're, you know, you're doing I little theatres and stuff everywhere. I'm, I'm touring I'm doing a lot of touring but here's what I'm gonna and I'm I'm gonna say it here I reckon I've been blacklisted <laughs> oh from where well, from? from the television oh really yeah oh god what, you pass what? out on six shows and they don't want to pick <laughs> <in there. laughs> what show do you want to be on so we've seen massive career makeovers for celebrities that go on to the show. I think Brendan Favola, ex-AFL player, comes to mind. And Angie Kent, who was obviously on the show this year, going from Gogglebox to I'm a Celeb, and now she's going to be the next Bachelorette. So, Laura, why Fiona? Why is she not getting the gigs after her massive win? Well, from what Fiona was saying and from what's, um, I guess, pretty easy to see from what's happened, it's the thing that made audiences love her and... Um, really relate to her story on I'm a Celebrity that seems to be tarnishing her chances to get a job post that season. So on that season, she was obviously her kind of normal, funny, irreverent self, but she also talked quite extensively about um, her past issues with alcoholism and drinking, and she's continued to talk about it since that se- since the series. And I think she gave also a lot of visual examples of what she was going through at that time. Like she talked a lot about hiding little bottles of booze in her bra, cutting holes in her handbag to tuck the alcohol in there, and the fact that she was practically homeless by the end of her kind of the biggest chunk of time she was dealing with that. And as much as like the interesting thing is like so many viewers really related to that yeah. and it was really refreshing to hear. But what she's saying and what, she, what the kind of idea is now that that's made her look like an unhirable person to kind of front up these big TV like TV shows and network jobs and all that kind of thing. It's strange though because Obviously, it sounds like she's kind of paying the price for being authentic. And she also mentioned in that interview that TV execs aren't really listening to what the public wants. So obviously, 65% is massive um, and they've, they've got this a relationship with her and they and they favour her. So why would they not? It's just a, a matter of not being able to insure her? Yeah, I mean, I, know, I do think it would come down to that because, I mean, a lot of performers go through... I mean, this is the thing with people who are creative in that way, that so many of them go through different things and, um, and you know, people have careers that bounce up and down and as much as that was like she did talk about in the show I don't think as far as I know it's ever affected her actual work and her public persona or anything like that and I think it's interesting too as she was saying that interview that she's really been putting her hand up for the roles like she hasn't just been sitting back and saying why isn't anyone putting me on TV on that same podcast she talked about the fact at the Logies she heard a lot of whispers that she was going to be a replacement for Studio 10 so Denise Drysdale who was leaving Studio 10 actually said to her I've put your name up for it and a few of the other cast members did as well and she started to get really excited that that would be her next big TV role and then she said she turned on the TV and saw Carrie-Anne Kenley on there and I also what she was saying too about the fact when you come when you win a show like that 
the network really should try and monetize you. And we know for a fact that happens because I remember when Julia Morris won that singing show, It Takes Two. And like, obviously, arguably, I'm a Celeb is a much bigger show than that. But she said that all her projects came from that. Afterwards, the network kind of sat her down. She said it's it's very common practice to have a meeting after winning a show like that where they sit down and say, what do you want to do? Where do you want to go? What opportunities can we get? And they kind of workshop that with you. And it sounds like Fiona, she kind of was handed her winning prize and the door just shut. Well, um, I can think of someone I'd like to maybe replace her with. She could probably take Lindsay's seat on The Masked Singer. Oh, you've got such a thing against Lindsay. She I would be really good on like, that She too. would be fantastic on that. I'm just saying, the network, you've heard it here first. Up next, the tragic reason Joe Jonas and Sophie Turner got matching tattoos. But first, a message from our presenting partners at Nescafe Gold. What's your weekend ritual? Mine is waking up early and taking my gorgeous cavoodle, Albie, out for a walk. Okay, well, mine's waking up very, very late and making myself a coffee from the Nescafe Gold Sachet range and then getting back into bed with the coffee. That sounds pretty good. That's so good. Uh, So these coffees are expertly crafted with care. The Nescafe Gold Cafe Inspired range includes two authentic cappuccino options. So you've got the cappuccino original and then the cappuccino intense. Mm. Two sophisticated flavour options, creme brulee latte and roasted hazelnut mocha. Mm, Delicious. (laughs) Each delivering an aromatic coffee topped with long-lasting silky froth and saves me from leaving the house when it's really cold outside and I also just don't want to. Oh, I second that. The new Nescafe Gold Sachet range offers an indulgent coffee treat that's perfect for morning or afternoon tea. Find it now in the coffee aisle at your local supermarket. Now, who's in charge of social media? Instagram. Oh! This week on social. So we're going to try a new thing here on The Spill this week. Obviously, a lot of celebrity news that we talk about comes from social media, but sometimes even we miss out on what's been happening. So to help us wrap up the week in celeb social, we are joined today by our very own social media expert here at Mamma Mia, Emily Vernon. Em, welcome. Hello. I'm so happy to be here. We are so excited to have you. So I know you've got things to fill us in on today. What is the first? So, Sophie Turner and Joe Jonas. I love them. Well, sad news. What? The dog's dead. <gasps> no! Oh, which this is one? a really con- two. confronting way uh, to kick Waldo off Waldo Picasso. Waldo Picasso was really cute. He ha- They were in a tux at their wedding, I think, Waldo Picasso. I mean, they look the exact same, so. <laughs> Shit. Yeah, Are you looking at the right do. dog? I don't even know anymore. Well, yes, Waldo Picasso tragically died in a freak accident. In New York, he was being walked by their dog walker and he ran into oncoming traffic and oh. got hit by a car. So, um, obviously, that's devastating news. They're massive dog lovers, but I hear that they've kind of done something in memory. Yes. Yeah, so, um, not a big fan of what they did about this. They broke silence on their dog's tragic death by going to Instagram and posting a photo of their matching tattoos, which is a very realistic portrait of poor Waldo. Are we talking about, oh, it's a portrait? It's a, like, very realistic portrait. Oh, wow. Well, one massive celebrity... Johnny Depp, he got a Winona Forever and he had to change it to Wino Forever. So let's Well, at least that. that's a word. This is a portrait. Okay, well, moving on. The Queer Eye Hoax. What's going on with this? I Cast am members s- dating. Tell me everything. I'm so mad about this. As a dedicated Queer Eye fan, I need to know if Jonathan Van Ness and Anthony Pickley are dating. I'll take it. I think they are. Why do you think that? Are they posted on social? Well, because they have that Instagram couple account and they say it's like a fake like satire thing, but I think it's real. 
and they just want to confuse everyone. Well, I haven't seen this. What are they posting? Just them like holding hands. And if you like watch their interviews on Jimmy Fallon and stuff, they're very cuddly and cute. Making secure functioning relationships, honey, you have to protect your relationship in private and in public. And so I would just say this to you, Haramo. I am protecting this relationship in private and public, and I'm gonna need you to protect it. Wait, you want to question again? <laughs> yeah, I forgot. What were we thinking? Just know that the Fat Five is in love. Twerk with me, baby. So is it something this week that they've come out and done? Yeah, so oh. there was a photo that went up on Instagram and Karamo commented on it, who's also in the um, Fab Five. <laughs> he said, I love you both. And for all those who are asking it's real, they are a couple and in love. First Fab Five couple. Wow. It's really sweet. Does this, is this just a marketing ploy because the new season's come out? No, or is it's that too real. Oh, sorry. I didn't she does break this. Heart. She breaks oh hearts. Well, JVN did go to Twitter and also Anthony said the same thing. They said, also for clarification, Anthony and I are a couple dot, dot, dot oh, of okay. close friends. Oh, oh okay. Mm. No, that's not real. They're not a couple. Uh, so thanks so much, Emily, for coming on, giving us the full social rundown. We'll see you next Friday. Thank you. Bye, guys. Bye. We can watch. We are here to tell you what to watch this weekend. Let's start it off. Laura, you go first. Yes, I've got a really good Netflix recommendation. So it's season two of Dairy Girls. So when the first season of Dairy Girls came out, it was like it was like finding $20 in your pocket and not knowing it was there because it was this delightful surprise and people just lost their minds over it. So the show follows a group of teenage girls and one poor guy who are growing up um, under English oppression in the 1990s in Northern Ireland. And it's just re- people have kind of likened it to t- other teen shows like The Inbetweeners, but it's just so funny, so irreverent, so just it's like classic teen comedy with a really adult spin so I haven't yet spoken to someone who has watched the first season and hasn't loved it so season two came out today on Netflix it's the perfect show to just binge just spend the whole Saturday watching it um my little weekend watch for you guys is watch what happens live with Andy Cohen it is now available on Hey You so if you don't know Hey You is a reality tv streaming app which I am obsessed with Literally obsessed with. I watch everything on it. But the talk show has been in the States forever. So um, Andy Cohen is was an executive at Bravo and now he is a TV personality. He hosts the show and a bunch of people come on from the various franchises that are on the Bravo network. So that includes Real Housewives, Southern Charm, Vanderpump Rules. All of those stars come on and kind of you know, spill some gossip about what's been going on. But he also has really notable celebrities that come on. So I think there's been um, Sarah Jessica Parker, who he's really good friends with. Um, Liam Neeson's been on there, Jimmy Fallon, even the Kardashians. Like there's heaps of people that go on there. It's an hour-long episode every single day, and it's just fun. They, they're in the clubhouse, they have a drink, they talk about celebrity and pop culture and entertainment, and it's just awesome. I'm so glad that we can finally watch it in Australia. And finally, if you're going to the movies this weekend, look, this movie doesn't really need our help because it's it's already set to be the biggest blockbuster of the month, but Fast and Furious presents Hobbs and Shaw, the new kind of spin-off from the strangely very popular and huge money-making franchise that is Fast and the Furious. We went to the Australian premiere we a couple did. of days ago. And it is, it's so it stars Dwayne Johnson and Jason Statham, and it is just the most absurd, ridiculous, self indulgent action movie I've ever seen. But it's incredible. But the biggest takeaway I think a lot of outlets aren't talking about because look, the reviews are substandard, but that doesn't matter. It's going to make a heap of money. The biggest kind of draw card for it, I think, would be Vanessa Kirby. So obviously we know her for playing Princess Margaret in the first two seasons of The Crown where she's a very kind of, I mean, she's a bit of a wild princess, but she's still quite a stately English actress. And I think putting her into this franchise against these two macho men 
actors and she's such a scene stealer. Like her action sequences are amazing. Her sass is amazing. Like the heart and like the gravity. I don't know how she brought gravity to a terrible action movie, but she did. So Hobbs and Shaw out this weekend. Thank you for listening to The Spill this week. We are so excited, second week down. Before we go, Laura, I'd like to play a bit of best and worst with you. What was your best topic of the week and worst? Oh, best topic of the week. Um, Look, I know we kind of trashed The Bachelor a bit today, which is fair enough, but I think our best topic of the week was having Matt Aggie, The Bachelor, actually come into the studio and talk to us about the show because we got the real facts. Yeah, I agree. That was definitely my highlight. And then your worst? My worst? I can guess. Yeah, it happened about two minutes ago (laughs) (laughs) where we were talking about um, the poor death, the tragic death of Sophie Turner and Joan Jonas's dog who was crushed beneath a car and you (laughs) likened their commemorative tattoo to Johnny Depp getting a tattoo of his ex-girlfriend and then changing it into a wino sign forever. Don't comment back. <laughs> There's nothing you can say. I am commenting back. That was one of the greatest love stories of the 90s. I stand by that. Please, if you are listening to our show, tell your friends about us. Steal their phone and subscribe them. And also, leave us a review. The Spill is produced by Eliza Ratliff. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye. The Spill was brought to you by Nescafe Gold.